Welcome to the Crib Notes Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Wall. Crib Notes are a concise set of notes used for quick reference, usually during a speech or a test. In the next 10 minutes, we're going to give you the Crib Notes version of the major headlines from the past week. In each episode, we cover the White House, Congress, national headlines, international headlines, climate change, and some side story that doesn't quite fit into any of those categories. As always, a link to all of my sources can be found in the description of the episode. Okay, here we go. The White House. Trump announced last week that he intends to impose significant tariffs on steel and aluminum imports. The tariffs will tax steel imports at 25% and aluminum at 10%. Despite objections from most of his advisory staff and virtually all of Congress, including Republicans, despite the stock market taking a small dive after the tariffs were announced, and despite growing fears of a trade war and retaliatory tariffs from other countries, Trump insists that this is the best way to bolster the American steel and aluminum industries. His logic is that American industries are being undercut by low-cost metal from abroad, especially China, and that by making such metals more expensive, it will incentivize manufacturers to purchase metal domestically. It is worth noting here that China is 10th on the list of top countries from which the United States imports steel. The top five are Canada, South Korea, Mexico, Brazil, and Germany, respectively. While these details are still technically being debated by Trump's legal team, Trump has explicitly stated to industry executives that the tariffs will apply to all countries. And on Twitter, he says he more or less welcomes a trade war, as he believes the United States will win easily. The announcement of the tariffs led to the resignation of Trump's top economic advisor, Gary Kahn, who strongly opposed the tariffs. He becomes the 21st high-profile member of the Trump staff to either resign or get fired since Trump took office, and the third in the past month alone. Congress. You might have understandably assumed that Congress was going to vote on guns in the wake of the latest mass shooting and flurry of protests. But then you probably saw a few headlines about stalled negotiations or followed Trump's rather confusing stance of being both in favor of extended background checks while simultaneously being opposed to universal background checks, or watched as the White House vowed to release concrete proposals for gun control by Friday and instead met with NRA leaders and released nothing. And at that point, you may have thought to yourself, well, Okay, we've watched this dance play out before, so maybe they won't vote on gun control. Guess they'll have to focus on immigration, which has been the other hot topic of the past couple months. Specifically, the conversation is focused on Dreamers, since Trump's cancellation of the DACA program, which protected them from deportation, was set to go into full effect as of March 5th. But then a federal court ruled that cancellation unconstitutional, and the Supreme Court refused to hear the case. So until it is tried in the appellate court system, the pressure to create a permanent fix was lifted from Congress's shoulders for the time being. Instead of those issues, Congress is voting on Bill S-2155, known in Washington as the Crapo Bill. The bill rolls back several of the regulations on banks put in place after the 2008 market crash and ensuing financial crisis. Originally, this bill was designed to provide some regulatory relief to small community banks and credit unions. Now, whether or not such relief was necessary is debatable, since last year 96% of community banks and credit unions made a profit, most of them saw record profits, virtually zero small banks failed, and Despite a persistent narrative that regulations are hurting growth, the majority of small banks in the United States are actually expanding. But setting those facts aside, the Crapo Bill has become a hotbed for amendments that seem to benefit large banks. 
Originally, the bill had language which allowed less regulation to custodial banks, which means banks that are holding enough actual assets to cover their loans and investments. But in recent versions of the bill, the definition of a custodial bank has changed. Now it defines custodial banks as any bank that predominantly engages in custodial services. In other words, virtually every bank. Additionally, this bill rolls back regulations on discriminatory lending. The Center for Investigative Reporting released a study showing that, even under current regulations, black people have a harder time getting loans, and when they do, the interest rates are higher than they are for white people seeking similar loans, even when the black applicant has a higher income and more wealth. Under current rules, banks must disclose loan information to regulators, who can sue the banks if they spot these kinds of discriminatory practices. But the Crapo bill would exempt banks that offer less than 500 loans per year from having to disclose any data. That quota includes roughly 85% of banks nationwide. Remember the old phrase, too big to fail? And remember how the 2008 crisis was the moment we realized how incorrect that phrase really is? Well, the Dodd-Frank Act passed by Congress set rules in place to prevent such arrogance from causing a crisis in the future. One of the most significant ways they did this was by changing the required ratio of liquid assets versus loans and investments. The idea was that a bank needed to have enough actual things of value that could be sold off in a crisis to avoid failing completely. The Crapo Bill will alter the rules of what counts as a liquid asset. Specifically, it allows municipal bonds to be counted as liquid assets. In a nutshell, a muni bond is bought from the government and paid back in time using tax dollar coffers. And for more on that, go listen to our National Debt episode from a few months ago. While bonds are considered a relatively safe investment, it is worth noting that the value of bonds is often quite tied to the economic climate, since their value is only as good as public faith in the government's ability to cover them. Counting them as liquid assets assumes that their value will remain high in a crisis. But in a crisis like the one we saw in 2008, it is easy to imagine those values plummeting, and banks being unable to sell them quickly enough and or at a high enough value to cover their losses. All in all, while the Crapo Bill doesn't completely eliminate the regulations put in place almost exactly 10 years ago when the recession hit, it does punch large holes in the protective net and too big to fail seems on the tip of everyone's tongue again. The bill appears to have the votes it needs to pass. I have a ton of links to really good articles on this issue linked in the show notes, and I encourage you to go check them out. As always, the contact lists for members of Congress are at the very top of my source links. National Headlines House Republicans are calling for a second special counsel investigation to search for political bias at the Department of Justice and the FBI. This is part of an ongoing effort to delegitimize Robert Mueller's Russia probe. This is the third time in recent months Republican members of Congress have called for additional special counsel investigations. The first was in September, when they called for an investigation into the FBI's handling of the Clinton emails. And the second was in January, when they called for an investigation of the FBI's handling of allegations against the Trump campaign. In slightly related news, during a press conference this week, while Trump acknowledged Russian meddling in the election, he claimed that it had, quote, no impact on our votes whatsoever. He also claimed that the White House is working hard on preparing safeguards against meddling for the 2018 midterms. The intelligence community at large disagrees with Trump on both counts. International Headlines If the stakes were not so high, the drama around North Korea would be almost comical, reminiscent this week of a social dispute around the lockers in a high school hallway. Evidently, 
North Korea told South Korea to tell the U.S. that they would be open to talking, and the U.S. told the press to tell North Korea that they'd only talk to them if they got rid of their nukes. North Korea told South Korea to tell the U.S. that they might be okay with that. Some analysts think North Korea is just trying to drive a wedge between the U.S. and South Korea, but Trump says he thinks North Korea is being sincere. The U.S. would normally send reps from the State Department to talk first, but since the State Department's top diplomat for North Korea is retiring this week, and Trump has never had a permanent ambassador for South Korea, the White House is considering bringing in an outside expert. Climate Watch A brief, but no less terrifying segment this week. Last month, temperatures at the North Pole were above freezing for a record 60 hours. Arctic ice is at an all-time low, and this is in the middle of Arctic winter. Scientists did not expect such a significant rise in temperature so soon, and are gravely concerned about what spring and summer will look like. A study performed in San Francisco found that several sections of land around the bay are subsiding at a rate of 10 millimeters per year. The study suggests that between 48 and 166 square miles in the San Francisco Bay Area will be prone to flooding by the end of the century, which could affect as many as 7 million people in the Bay Area alone, which doesn't even take into account the rest of the coast. Side story. Well, that was a whole lot of news about how no progress is being made on anything. So, let's talk about a promise made decades ago that is finally becoming a reality. For the first time, you, yes you, can pre-order a flying car. A Dutch company called PAL-V performed a successful maiden flight this month, and are now taking pre-orders on their flying car to be delivered to consumers as soon as 2019. The car itself looks sort of like a sleek cockpit, and it can operate just fine as a traditional car. Then it performs a semi-manual transformer move and becomes what looks like a small helicopter. According to PAL-V, the vehicle can do 100 miles per hour on the ground and 112 in the sky, and has an air range of 350 miles. Before you get too excited, though, you'll need a pilot's license to operate it. On the bright side, if you run out and get your pilot's license real quick, flying lessons are included in the car's perfectly reasonable price tag of a mere $621,000. A video of the car's maiden voyage is available in the show notes, and I encourage you to go check it out, because it is, you know, a part of history and the future all at once. That's it for this week, friends. If you like the show, you can subscribe, rate, and review it on iTunes. You can also go to patreon.com slash dylanwall to become a sustaining member. You'll get fun rewards for signing up as a monthly donor, uh, and those rewards start at just $1 a month, and range from a personal thank you card and a shout out on the air, all the way up to a guaranteed Crib Notes in focus episode on the topic of your choice. So if you've got just 12 extra dollars this year, that's $1 per month, about 25 cents per episode, consider using it to help make this show happen by going to patreon.com slash dylanwall. You can find that link in the show notes. And a big thanks this week to Ileana Contreras for donating to the show. You rock, friend. You can also follow us on Twitter at CribNotesCast. Throughout the week, I post breaking news and interesting articles. If you have questions, concerns, corrections, suggestions, or $621,000 you can lend me, feel free to email me at thecribnotespodcast at gmail.com. You can find that email address as well as a link to all my sources in the description of this episode. Friends, you're great. And if there's any news next week, I'll talk to you then. <laughs>